Morning, family. Today, I'm going to be reading from Hosea 14, verse 9. Hosea 14, verse 9. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. That was Hosea 14, verse 9. Thank you, Jaden, for reading that for me. Good morning again to you all. I hope and pray that everyone had a pleasant week and that you've looked forward to coming to worship God. I don't know whatever whatever place I would rather be that is. Um, I love being here worshiping God. And Sunday, knowing that Lord willing Sunday is coming, gets me through the week. Today's sermon is for people who fall into one of three categories. It is for anyone that has not taken the step to put on Christ through baptism. It is for anyone that is a new Christian still trying to figure out what it means, uh, how to live faithfully unto death, still trying to figure out how to let go of what they were doing before they were baptized. And this sermon today is for anyone who has been a Christian for a while. Now that should cover everyone in the room and everyone online. Have you ever felt like your life is like a tug-of-war contest or is in a tug-of-war contest? You know, where you you feel like your life um, seems to be pulled in one direction at times and then at another direction at other times? You're just the rope in the middle, being stretched in every direction. You ever feel stretched too thin in life? Well, the truth is, our lives are like a tug of war. See, on one side, there's God who is pulling for you, pulling for us, wanting us to come in his direction, who wants us to draw nigh to him so that he can draw uh, close to us. And then on the other side, there's the devil, doing all he can to pull you away from God's will. And there you are, the rope in the middle. But unlike the rope in the tug-of-war contest, where the rope does not have a say at all in which way it would be pulled, you are not like that. The decision is up to you. Will you go in the direction of God or down the way of the devil? It is up to you. It's up to all of us. You see, God will not force you to draw nigh unto him. And believe it or not, the devil cannot make you go his way or force you to do what he wants you to do. It's all up to us. It's all up to you to make up your mind, to make up your own decisions. You cannot blame your actions on anyone can't blame it on God. You can't blame it on the devil. You can't blame it on the elders or the man or the woman or the boy or the girl sitting next to you or someone outside those front doors. You see, in Joshua twenty four fifteen, <clears throat> Joshua recognized two different directions his people could go. 
It says there in 2415, <coughs> excuse me. And if it seem evil unto you to serve the Lord, choose you this day whom you will serve. Whether the gods which your fathers served that were on the other side of the flood, or the gods of the Amorites in whom in whose land ye dwell. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Joshua told them what the options were, what their options were. He told them they could serve God or they could serve lifeless idols. Joshua said, you have to make a choice. Folks, we've got to, you have to make a choice. And I want to challenge you today to choose whom you will serve. And Elijah came to all the people in 1 Kings chapter 18, 21, and said, how long will you falter between two opinions? If the Lord is God, follow him. But if Baal, follow him. But the people answer him, not a word. <coughs> Are we going to be like these people? And that answer, not a word to God. That is, where our life is sometimes. Are we like them? Are we faltering back and forth between who we will serve? But Jesus said that no man can serve two masters, Matthew 6, 24. It's impossible. It's impossible to be facing one direction and serving God at the very same time serving the devil over here. And then it's not possible to be serving Satan and, and to be trying to serve God over here at the same time. It's just not possible. But too many of us are trying to face this way. Trying to have a little bit here and a little bit there. Trying to do both. Trying to straddle the fence. Joshua said, choose you this day whom you will serve. It's time for us to choose and stop faltering. And understand what it said in Hosea 14.9. The ways of the Lord are right. Matthew 7.13-14 says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. And there are few who find it. I want us to contrast these two paths. That wide gate, that broad way, there are many who find it. That wide gate, that broad way. I want you to consider the ways of the world. This image that's up here on, on the screen is supposed to put in mind what the ways of the world has to offer. The world has to offer big lights, big cities, a good time a different perspective to find your way in life. See, we look out into the world and we think that there are thousands of different directions our lives can go. As long as you end up where you desire, where you desire to go. Everyone is doing something different these days. Well, that's always been. People have been doing things differently than God wants them to anyway. But maybe we think there are millions of different paths or journeys in life. But Jesus shows us that there are not millions, there are not thousands, there are only two directions to go. 
There are only two. And everyone on earth, that is, everyone of the age of understanding is on one of these two paths. You're either following the ways of the world or following Satan, or you are following the ways of God. God says that the ways of the world are folly. Proverbs 14, 8 through 9 says, The wisdom of the prudent is to understand his way, but the folly of fools is deceit. Fools mock at sin, but among the upright there is favor. So if you follow these ways, the ways of the world, you are following the way of foolishness. Following the ways of the world is foolishness because those ways are based on human reasoning. Your reasoning, my reasoning, following after your selfish desires. Proverbs 14, 12 tells us that there is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. The ways of the world are based on human reasoning. Human wisdom, which sometimes or somehow seems better than God's wisdom. Now, Jaylee, you're going too far. I would never say that I am wiser than God. Well, yes, you are. Yes, you're saying that. If you're basing any decisions you are making from your selfish desires, your, <clears throat> your what makes you feel good, sometimes we say, it's not hurting anybody else. It's not hurting anybody what I'm doing. Not, if, if you're doing these things and it's not coming from God's desires from, for you. Don't take my word for it. In fact, I hope that you uh, take me to task and check when I am preaching against what the Bible says. But I know that James 1, 14 through 15 says that each one is tempted when he is drawn away by his own desires and enticed. Then when desire has conceived, it gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is full grown, brings forth death. Your own desires, if acted upon, can result in a death if you do not repent and ask the Lord for forgiveness. When we do this, that is, follow the ways of the world, then... We have been deceived by the devil to believe that this is the right thing to do. Satan, the devil, is the great deceiver. I mean, 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen tells us that he can turn himself into an angel of light. An angel of light. Something good. Now, how, is he, how does he have so much deceiving power? How can he turn himself into something that looks good? I mean, it's Satan. So it's not like he, he sets whatever we desire, that thing out in front of us and says, don't, don't touch that. That'll get you in trouble with God. You don't want to desire that. You, you don't want that because it's sinful. That'd be the opposite of what Satan does. No, he cloaks it to try and make it look good while really presenting it in the same way. He's like those salespeople you see on TV uh, that say that you have to, you have to get this, this thing, whatever it is. It's all shiny. Look at it. It's one of a kind. And it's limited. We only have a few, you know, sitting in the warehouse. And you can get it for $19.99. And as soon as you are, as soon as you're thinking, man, I don't need that thing. They hit you with the, but wait, if you act now, 
Not only will you get this thing for $19.99 with the money back as long as you place it back in the original box and put it in packaging and you ship it back yourself and you pay for the shipping and the restocking fee, guarantee, you will not get one, but how many? Two for the price of one. That's what Satan does. He makes it so desirable to us. He makes it seem like you just cannot pass it up. Deceiving you into believing that you cannot bypass that temptation, whatever that temptation is for you. That evil, making it look so appealing. The uh, devil deceives you into thinking that the pleasure is irresistible. That you have to have these pleasures. That you cannot live without these pleasures. Yet Moses... Excuse me. Moses in Hebrews 11:25 understood that these pleasures are only temporary. Sin, pleasures that take you away from God are temporary. They don't last. This is how God is explaining the ways of the world. Are you getting the picture? You see the things that the world has to offer you? Are you understanding that the ways the world also enslave us to sin? Sometimes the world, even some of us in the body, may say, Oh, you Church of Christ people, you're all so boring. You don't have any fun. You believe in things that are out of date with today's society. All those thou shalts and those thou shalt nots and those thou shalls. I feel so sorry for you. They feel sorry for you. They feel sorry for us, those of us that put on Christ. But the Bible says that they are they are the ones who are enslaved. Romans six twelve through sixteen reads as follows. Romans six twelve through sixteen. <clears throat> Therefore, do not let sin reign in your mortal body, that you should obey it in its lusts. And do not present your members as instruments of unrighteousness to sin, but present yourselves to God as being alive and from the dead, and your members as instruments of righteousness to God. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you are not under the law, but under grace. What then? Shall we sin because we are not under law, but under grace? Certainly not. Do do you not know that to whom you present yourselves slaves to obey, you are that one's slaves whom you obey. Whether of sin leading to death or obedience leading to righteousness. See, if we allow sin to continue in our lives unchecked, if we follow after the path and the way of the world, we will become enslaved to it. And then we will obey it. The world, that is. Said another way, we begin to serve Satan and we begin to obey him. I'll tell you that that only leads to disaster for your soul. And I want you to remember what we read a little while ago in Proverbs fourteen twelve. There is a way that seems right to man, but its end is the way of death. Death, not just death in, in this life, but a separation from God eternally. You see, sin <clears throat> is separation from God. Maybe we're sitting here today thinking, Jaylee, all the things that you've talked about already, we know this, and it sounds so very basic. We forget. 
we forget every day that sin is a separation from God. Otherwise, why would we continue to keep committing? So I'm here to remind us that sin is a separation from God. That is why Jesus describes this path as a wide gate. <coughs> Excuse me, a broad way. And where does that lead? It leads to destruction. And the sad thing is that this is where many people find themselves and find their lives, where they allow their souls to reside. Everyone in this world is on one path or another. Most are on the path of foolishness that is based on human reasoning that has nothing to offer but deception, nothing to offer but temporary satisfaction, to the point where you begin serving sin and being separated from God. This is God's evaluation of the ways of the world. Now, as you look at this list, is there anything that you want from it? Is there anything that you find yourself involved in as you look at this list? As you look at the screen and see it or those things that you're involved in up there, I need you to understand that these things, sin separates you from God. Right now. Is there anything on this list that is really appealing? Something that you just have to have or get after? Something that you have to hold on to? Is there anything on this screen that makes you upset or even angry at me that I would have the audacity to put it on the screen? There is nothing on this screen that I want. Not if I know it separates me from God. There's nothing on this screen that I want for my wife or for my children. There is nothing on this screen that I want for any of you. And Jaylee, you must be perfect. You must do no wrong. You know, and I know that's not correct. I know I'm not perfect. But I did say this Sermons for several people, didn't I? If you are, if you have not repented, <clears throat> that is, turn from the life you are living and put on Christ through baptism, you are already separated from God. If you find yourself involved in these things, I need you to understand that you can change. But not giving your life to God will not get you any closer to heaven. If you are a new Christian, you might be saying, I didn't know some of these things were sin, or at the very least, I didn't know they were that bad. Sin separates you from God, period. You need to repent and ask for forgiveness. And I encourage you to look at your life and examine yourself to see if you are in line with the Lord's will, to see if you are on the right path. I know it's not easy. Looking at some of these things on the screen, you're like, but I just didn't know. Okay, now you know. It's not easy. But this Christian race, it's not ran alone. You have us to help you. And us, we need to do a better job of helping those who are new to the faith. If you've been a Christian for a while, that doesn't mean that you don't struggle. Because we all do. 
You may see things on this list that you're ashamed that you even have found yourself involved um, in them or with it. Let me encourage you as I remind you of the uh, beauty of Christ. Because of his blood, when we recognize sin in our life, by the way, that sin didn't just get there. It didn't just appear. When we recognize sin in our lives, we need to call sin what it is. A separation from God. It is sin. Then we need to repent. And we need to turn. We need to run. We need to fly away from it. Get away, far away from it as we can. And then ask God to forgive us. And we have a promise from him that he will. He'll forgive us as if when we were first baptized. Every time. Satan doesn't want you to remember that. And I'm here to remind you that God is love and God is forgiving. He's merciful and he's gracious and he does forgive. If this is God's evaluation of the world, of this path, the ways of the world, I want you to take a step back and evaluate what the world has to offer you. Besides these things, what else does the world have to offer you? What is so appealing out there in the world that it can offer you. There's no way for me to fit on this screen or any other screen or anywhere in this room all the things that could be put up here for you to consider. And before you say, not me, I would never, the devil will take this list and dress it up. You'll follow right down that path with him if you're not careful. Take heed lest you fall. Proverbs 14, 16 says, A wise man fears and departs from evil, but a fool rages and is self-confident. Another way to say this, if if you're not understanding this, I would never do these things. I have all of this under control. I don't need you standing up telling me everything what you're telling me, Jaylee. God knows my heart. And then that's when Satan says, okay, Let me show you this thing. What is there that the world can give to you that God cannot? Hmm? As you think on that, consider the ways of the Lord are right. Hosea 14.9 tells us. Psalm 18.30 rightly says, for God, his way is perfect. The word of the Lord is proven. He is a shield to all who trust him, trust in him. You see, the thing about the ways of the Lord is that you can count on the ways of the Lord to be right always. The ways of the Lord are based on divine reasoning. God tells us in Isaiah 55, uh, 8 through 9, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, nor are your ways nor are your ways my ways, says the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Now to me, this is a sobering thought, because too often we like to bring God down to our level. We want God to act like we want him to behave, so that our conscience can be soothed. This is what we want rather than what the Father wants. The Lord's ways are not based on our selfish wishes, but follows godly desires. 
Titus 2, 11 through 12, reads, For the grace of God that brings salvation has appeared to all men, teaching us that denying ungodliness and worldly lusts, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in the present age. <clears throat> you know, Jaylee, you, you're really taking your time to get through what you're saying. You're laying it out so basically. I'm, I'm doing this so we can hear it clearly what God is saying. I don't want there to be no mistakes, no, you walking out of here thinking, well, Jaylee got it all wrong. We're talking about what God wants. Is there, <clears throat> is this where you are in your life? Are you living soberly right now? Thinking about what God wants for your soul. We humans are so finicky, often altering back and forth from what we want, changing our ways at a drop of, of a hat. But you see, the Lord's ways are <clears throat> changeless, according to James 1.17, and can be trusted without fail. Habakkuk 3.6 tells us that his ways are everlasting. Understand something. God does not change. And when he has said something thousands of years ago, we don't have to wonder if he changed his mind. We don't have to second guess him like we do each other sometimes. Did he really say that? Did he mean that? Let me bring somebody else up that could interpret what I just said. And they say the same thing I just said, but you hear it differently. God doesn't need that. God does not change. We don't have to second guess him, as I said. My granddaddy used to say this about the Lord, and that if he didn't mean what he said when he said what he said, he wouldn't have said what he said when he said what he said. Unlike with the ways of the world, the ways of the Lord offers an abundant life, not temporary pleasure. John 10.10 10 reads, The thief does not come except to steal and kill, to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. If you're living your life on this side of, of the screen here, you're following Satan. And Satan is like this thief who comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. And he does not care about your soul. And this life on the pathway with God offers you freedom from bondage, not enslavement to sin. Romans six seventeen through 18. It's not a separation from God, but leading you to an everlasting life with our Father, according to Matthew seven fourteen, and also chapter 25, verse 46. Now, are you one of those few who find it as Matthew seven fourteen states? Matthew 24, 46 says that these few who find a narrow gate towards the end of the scripture, before it starts talking about will go away into everlasting punishment, those on this side of the screen, but the righteous, those who have found it, that narrow way, will go into eternal life. Which path are you on? Don't assume that you... You know exactly which one you're on if you haven't really examined and evaluated your life. We know what the world has to offer. What does God have to offer? Do you know a brother or sister who has been a Christian for 30, 40, 50, or more years? 
Are there any qualities in your life or that you see in them that you want, that you see on this screen? Not necessarily to be like them, but you see what they have in their lives or what you see what God wants in your life. Do you want these things in your life? Are these, I'm pointing the wrong side, these things appealing to you? If there is no other reason to be a Christian, then just these two lists of contrasts would do it for me. You see what God has to offer you? Nothing on, on these two contrasting lists can move from left to right or right to left. They won't merge with one another. They won't cross one another. Because sin and God will not be in the same place. Sin is a separation from God. The ways of the Lord are right all of the time. Every time. You don't have to question his ways or worry about what God has done or what he is doing. I'll remind you what Roman, excuse me, Hosea 14.9 says again. Who is wise? Let him understand these things. Who is prudent? Let him know them. For the ways of the Lord are right. The righteous walk in them, but transgressors stumble in them. God's ways are right. Always. We understand that? God's ways are right. Always. This means when I come to the word of God, that is the Bible, I can have confidence in it. I don't have to wonder if they are right or if they are wrong, if I follow after his ways. This also means that I do not have to be ashamed of the ways of God. I don't have to be ashamed to be a Christian. I don't have to be ashamed because of the thou shalt and the thou shalt nots. Listen, if you are a Christian, there's just some things that you can and can't do. If you haven't changed, something's wrong. Then why were you baptized if you can just keep living your life the way you were anyway? What was the point? When you become a Christian, your life changes. There are people out there that are sad for us, as I said, because we cannot just be ourselves and live like we want to live. They don't need to be sad for you. They don't need to be sad for me. Go back to that list. Go back to this list that's over here on the right side of the things that you should not have in your life. Don't, don't be sad. God's ways are always right. And you don't need to be ashamed. One reason is because the ways of the Lord are right doctrinally. And what does that mean? It means when I read and when you read the teachings of the Bible, they are always right. Always. When I read the New Testament and it tells me how to live my life, no matter how I feel or how I think I should be living, God's word is right. If I'm living my life contrary to what the scriptures say, I'm doing the opposite of what God wants. When Jesus says in Mark sixteen sixteen, he who believes and is baptized shall be saved. Is that right? It's not just right. It's always right. I don't need to question this, and I don't need to be ashamed of it. Ephesians 4.4 4 tells us that there is one body, one church. Is that right? It's in God's words, so am I going to question God? Who am I? 
I'm just J. Lee Jackson. I am not the creator of the universe. Ephesians 5.19 says, Speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual psalms, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. Is, is that right? Instead of using mechanical instruments in our worship to God, because it's, it's never used in the New Testament, the scripture tells us to make melody in your heart. Is that right? It's God's word. God is right. Whether I say he's right or not, God is right. And I want to walk in the right because that is what a wise person does. He or she walks in the ways of the Lord. The Lord's ways are not just right doctrine. They are right morally every time. Proverbs 30 verse 5 says, Every word of God is pure. He is a shield to those who put their trust in him. God calls upon us to live pure. A pure life if we want to be his children. Paul instructs Timothy in 1 Timothy 5.22 to not to share in other people's sins. Keep yourself pure. Keep yourself pure. How do you keep yourself pure? By living by the precepts in the word of God. We actually have to use God's word. Every way of the Lord is right. I don't need to live my way. I need to live God's way. Every way of the Lord is right morally. Hebrews 13.4 says, Marriage is honorable among all, and the bed undefiled. But fornicators and adulterers, God will judge. Now, if the ways of the Lord are right always, and they are, then Hebrews 13.4 is always right. That means marriage is honorable, the way God designed it with one man and one woman. That also means that the bed, what bed? The marriage bed is undefiled. God created marriage in Genesis 2, and God created that special intimate relationship to exist only between a husband and his wife, a wife and her husband. The marriage bed is the one that is undefiled. That means any other bed outside that marriage would be what? Defiled. Or any sexual activity before that marriage is defiled in the eyes of God. The ways of the Lord are right always. No one in here needs to feel any shame for standing up for godly morals. No one. Not our children. Not our teenagers. No one, no shame needed when everyone else around you is having sinful fun because what you are doing is pleasing God. Sure, sin is pleasurable for a very short time, but your soul is eternal and God's ways are right. They were right when Hebrews 13:4 was penned and even before then, and they will always be right. At the end of Hebrews 13, 4, I'll let you read that. Who will God judge? Who will he judge? God's ways are right, always. Ephesians 5, 18 warns us all to not be drunk with wine. You follow that with 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, 
verses verses four through eight, where Paul tells us the difference between darkness and light. God, through Paul, draws a contrast on the matter of drunkenness in verse seven. For those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. Sin has a dark nature. You can see throughout the Bible, there are, are we going to uh, question God on this one too? About drunkenness, about drinking? Sadly, many do. 1 Corinthians 6, 9 through 10 says, Do you not know what the unrighteous, that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, nor sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor rivalers, or revelers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. Is this right? Listen, before I go on, I need you to understand. I was thinking about, there's a book that we've given out here in the congregation that many of us have called Muscle and the Shovel. And I give that book out to people at work when they have questions about God. And they have all these questions that I can't answer in two minutes for them. You know, sometimes when they come to my office, so I say, here's a book written by a brother in the church that I know. And there's a lot of the questions that you have that are in this book. And I ask you, when you read this book, that does not, it, all it is is telling of Michael Shanks' um, conversion story that he's written down, goes right back to the Bible. Every, the scriptures are in there coming right from the Bible. I say, you need to use this book with an open mind and an open Bible. And understand, you might get upset when you read this book. But really, who are you going to be upset with? Are you upset with Michael? You have to read the book. Are you upset with Randall? Are you upset with God? Because really, that's who you get upset with. So if you're sitting in the room today upset, be upset with God, not with me. I'm reading right from his word. I just have him typed out. It's all right if you're upset with me. It's fine. Because the ways of the Lord are right. It may become illegal to teach on and preach on these things that I'm I'm teaching and preaching on today. But just because something becomes illegal to preach on in man's eyes, what God says in his word does not change the fact that God's ways are always right. Homosexuality in the Old Testament, as written in Leviticus 18, homosexuals that is, they were sentenced to death. To where in the New Testament, it says that they will not inherit the kingdom of God. We just read that. Homosexuality will never be acceptable to God because God's way, not the way of the world, not my way, not your way, is right every time. And who are we to question him? The Lord's ways are right practically. Second Peter 1, 3 says that God has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Who would you rather have as a husband? One who was practicing the things that were on the right side of the screen? following after the ways of the world, or one who is following after the ways of the Lord? Who would you rather have as a wife? One who is practicing the things that were on the right side of the screen, following after the ways of the Lord, or of the world, excuse me, or one who is following after the ways of the Lord? Who would you rather have as a parent, or an employer, or an employee, or a neighbor, or a president? 
who was practicing the things that were on the right side of the screen, following after the ways of the world, or one who was following after the ways of the Lord. See, it makes a difference, doesn't it? It makes a big difference. It would make a difference in your home. It would make a, a difference in your workplace. It would make a difference in our nation, in this world. Following the ways of the Lord, the ways of the Lord are right. Always, no matter what we think, no matter what the world says, his ways are right eternally. Maybe you have heard it said, I know we have what I'm going to say uh, from a brother named Dan Jenkins down in Florida, that it is always right to do right. It is always wrong to do wrong. It is never right to do wrong and never wrong to do right. God's ways are always right. That is true because Hosea says that the ways of the Lord are right. I hope you all get the theme of this sermon. The ways of the Lord are right always. It is never right to follow the ways of the Lord. It is never right not to follow the ways of the Lord. And it is never wrong to follow him. What path are you on? Evaluate your life. I know which one I want to be on. I know which one I want my wife and children to be on. And I know which one I, I know which one God wants you to be on. What path do you have your soul on? Because this flesh is going away, but our souls are eternal. We have to decide where we want to spend eternity. One leads to destruction, to eternal punishment. The other leads to eternal life in heaven with our Father. Jesus and the Holy Spirit, the saints that have followed him. The Lord's ways are always right, always right even when it comes to salvation. God's plan to save you is not man's plan. The Church of Christ didn't make up uh, our own plan of salvation like some religious groups have done. The Church of Christ has not devised our own plan on what we think God's word says about salvation. The ways of the Church of Christ are not right within themselves. Only the ways of the Lord are right. And so we choose to follow the ways of the Lord. And if we want to be right, we need to follow those ways in all aspects of our lives. God's way of salvation is so clear and so plain, and maybe that's why some may have not decided to follow him, because it's just too simple. God has made it very simple for us. He says that we need to believe in Jesus, his son, Mark sixteen sixteen. We need to turn away from our sins. <clears throat> Whatever life you're living, that's not what God is living in a sinful nature. Like it or not, if you're not with God, then you are following Satan. No matter how good you think you are, no matter how many great things you're doing, no matter how nice you are to people, there'll be a lot of nice people in hell too because they did not decide to follow the plan that God has laid out. You need to confess your faith in Jesus according to Romans 10, 9. And then be immersed. This seems to be an issue a point of contention for folks. Why do I have to be put in water? Why do I need to be baptized? Because the word says so. You know, the very first time we hear this is in Acts chapter 2. 
when Peter and the apostles are there and they're speaking in all those different languages. If you don't know what I'm talking about, open the book, open the Bible, read it. Jesus is going back to heaven. The apostles are in the upper room waiting for the comforter, the helper. And they begin to speak in tongues. And people think they're drunk. And Peter says, we're not drunk. But let me tell you a story, one that you're very familiar with. God sent Jesus to this earth for us. And you saw him and he said who he was and you didn't believe him. And he you you killed him, you put him on the cross and he died. But he didn't stay buried. He didn't stay dead. And he rose on the third day. He's back in heaven with his father. Some reason they like, wait a minute, all of a sudden, now we know. We understand. What are we gonna do? Because we knew who God, we know who God is and, and how powerful he is. What are we gonna do? And Peter tells them in Acts chapter 2, verse 38, to repent and be baptized for the remission of your sins. It's no different today. Repent, be immersed in water. God says so. That's why you need to do it. If you don't do that, then you're not going to be saved. There's no asking Jesus into your heart. There's no, I think I'm a Christian now, so now therefore I'm a Christian. Show me in the Bible where it says that. I'm showing you in the Bible <coughs> with the scriptures on the screen what the scripture says. When you're immersed in water, your sins are forgiven. You're added to his church. God asks you to the church. You don't join it. Acts 2.47 tells us that. And I know I mention this often when I'm up here, but it's, it's true. When you have become a Christian, God can see you now. Not that he couldn't see you before. We're all his children. He, he loves everyone in this world. He sent Jesus because of this word, the love he has for the people in this world. But he can clearly see me now. And I have a direct line to him. When I pray, I am talking to the Father and he hears me. If you are not a Christian, you don't have that. Not I'm not making this up. It's in the Bible. I want to encourage you today to walk in the ways of the Lord. According to 1 John 1, 7. Walk in the ways of the Lord. God's ways are always right. And if we want to be right, we got to stay in his word. If we want to be right, we have to obey him. If we want to be right, we need to remove whatever is stopping us from truly serving him. No matter how much we want to hold on to it, it's temporary. But heaven is eternal. Whatever you need, ask as you come forward as we stand and sing the invitational hymn.